what would Christmas be without Christmas music, right? Are you the Christmas music kind of person? Have you, like Pastor Caleb, been listening to Coast uh, Christmas music since November? Yeah. Or maybe you're the kind of person that maybe just has had enough of uh, elves singing and that kind of stuff. And if you have, you're not the kind of person who likes Christmas music, Christmas carols and such, then uh, just bear with me. Let me just apologize in advance because today we're going to play a little game. Can you turn this mic down just a little bit, please? Thank you. We're going to play a little game called Name That Christmas Song. You ready? Okay. I'm going to read a phrase from a well-known holiday song, and I want you to try to sing the, or, or not sing, just think of the song title. Yes? Okay, let's try our first one. We're snuggled up together like two birds of a feather would be. Close. Anybody else? Anybody? It's called Sleigh Ride. Sleigh Ride. All right. Okay. Let's try another one. Here we go. Let's try another one. When we finally kiss goodnight, how I'll hate going out in the storm. But if you really hold me tight all the way home, I'll be warm. Anybody? Let it snow. Yes, let it snow. Okay, you're getting it. You're, you're getting the first words, but not the title. The title is Let It Snow. Let's try another one. Please have snow and mistletoe and presents under the tree. I'll be home for Christmas. Somebody got it. I'm trying to throw you off the scent here. Okay, let's try this one. Mistletoe hung where you can see every couple tries to stop. Rocking around the Christmas tree. All right, all right. All right, and, and, and one more, and one more. Now, just listen to the words, let it flow over you. In the meadow, we can build a snowman and pretend that he is Parson Brown. He'll say, are you married? And we'll say, no, man. But you can do the job when you're in town. Winter Wonderland, actually. <laughs> nice try. So uh, you're struggling. I get that. Here's an easy one for you, for the rest of us who are not into it. And hint, by the way, the song title is the same as the lyrics. Here we go. All I want for Christmas is you. What's the title? All I want for Christmas is you. That's the title. I gave you the hint. Okay. Okay. Well... Doesn't matter. Maybe, like I said, you haven't been listening to Coast uh, 103.5, but did you notice the theme here? Anybody pick up the theme? Anyone? Yeah. No? Okay. Well, apparently Valentine's Day gets all the glory for being the day of love, but it's pretty clear that Christmas holds the corner market on the season of love and romance. In fact, in a uh, 2014 American wedding study conducted by Brides Magazine, researchers found that 19% of all engagements occur in the month of December, making it the most popular month of the year to get engaged. What do you think about that? In fact, um, can you guess in December which day is the most likely to have a young man pop the question? Christmas Day? Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve is the most popular day to get engaged. Now, I don't know what that says about us guys. 
Maybe we're just, you know, planning all year long, or maybe we didn't buy you a present, so this will have to do. <laughs> but Facebook released data, according to social posts and media, that, that Christmas Eve was the most popular day to get engaged, followed by Christmas Day, then New Year's Day, and a distant fourth Valentine's Day. And there's certainly nothing wrong with celebrating love during this season. And if you were planning on getting engaged on Christmas Eve, not to worry, we will celebrate with you. But depending on where you find yourself in regards to romantic relationships at the moment, what your current status is, all this love in the air in the Christmas season can bring happiness or maybe frustration, even loneliness. Either way, too much focusing on the cuddling and the mistletoeing uh, can distract us from the real love story of Christmas. So I'm going to challenge you and myself not to miss the true story of love this Christmas because this love story has been written for all of us. It is the story of true, faithful, unending, and sacrificial love. God's love in sending his son is the one love that changes everything. See, love has been at the beginning of God's story all the way from the Garden of Eden. From the moment of creation, God's love was part of the story that he was writing into the fabric of our world. God's love was with Adam when he created him and when he created Eve. God's love was in the garden before sin, but after sin, God's love had the opportunity to rise and express itself even further. God showed his love in the Old Testament when he saved Noah and his family from the flood. God showed his love in the Old Testament when he gave the commandments to the people of Israel because they were an expression not just of his will, but of his love. And it is this love that God has given to us that has turned the world inside out when he sent his son to live among us. Can you imagine that? I mean, I, we're going to make gingerbread houses of it, but can you just imagine for a second the God of the universe capturing all of who he is and putting it into a tiny baby in a stable on a cold night. Not just to be born in such meager circumstances, but, but to live here among us. And not just to live here, but to, to be crucified by the very people he was sent to love. The Bible tells us that God's love sent his son to live among us, but also to die among us and pay for our sins, but rise again from the grave. It took that kind of love to disrupt and overturn the power of evil upon the earth. And that's the true love story of Christmas. But this story is not about a feeling of love. It's not about an emotion. It's, it's about a love that is active. It is love in action. How the God of the universe loved you so much that he left everything in order to be with you and to sacrifice everything so that you could be with him. This love 
is the second gift that we're going to unwrap in this Christmas season. If you were with us last week, we began a journey through the gifts of Christmas and through this Advent season by unwrapping the gift of hope. Now the word Advent means arrival or coming and it's a special significant word for us because we are Seventh-day Adventists. We believe and celebrate his first Advent, but we believe and anticipate his second Advent. And this season was always marked by expectation, waiting, anticipation, and longing. When God sent his promises and his prophecies to the Old Testament believers, they waited and anticipated that the Messiah would come. And so this season is an opportunity for us to connect with the past, the present, and the future of God's story. It allows us to share in the longing of our ancestors as they waited for the Messiah. It allows us to celebrate his birth presently with millions of people across the globe and it allows us to be alert for his second coming last week we talked about hope past hope present and hope future and we looked at a few prophecies about Jesus coming and we were challenged to place our hope in him in the present trials we're in and reminded that hope means that there are promises still to be fulfilled when he comes again. But today we want to unwrap the gift of love. Now I have kids. You probably have nieces or nephews if you don't have kids of your own, or, or maybe you remember not too long ago being a child. But have you ever been with a kid when they are trying to unwrap gifts on Christmas, whether it's Christmas Eve for you or Christmas morning? There's different kinds of approaches to unwrapping a Christmas gift. Um, <clears throat> I myself like to undo the, the tape. I, I don't know why. I like to unclip the tape. Um, and so I pick at the tape, and then I like to unfold it. I'm not really going to save the wrapping paper, but for some reason, I, d I like to unfold it. But I have a child, one of my three, who is of the uh, tear-into-it variety. Y you, you with me? I won't name names, but she... <laughs> just likes to tear open. In fact, she can't contain herself when someone else is opening. She just gets in there and, you know, tries to grab a handle and take a pull at it. She's so excited about what's inside this wrapping that she just needs to know. So while I would carefully, she was like, ah! If you've ever been with kids, that's how they unwrap Christmas gifts. They want to get into it. They want to dive in. They just want to unwrap and start the play. And the worst thing that you can do as a parent and as a gift giver is give them a toy that doesn't work right out of the box, you know, like it needs batteries. So they open it like, oh, and then you go, oh, oh, batteries, and you're left scrambling, and then you got to do the little, find a tiny screwdriver because it's a tiny screw in there, and try, uh, it's the worst. Or if it has to be assembled. I've made that mistake before, bought him a gift that out of the box had to be assembled, and while they waited for me to put the pieces together, they just forget it. Because what they want to do is they want to unwrap a gift and dive right in. Hold it, play with it, enjoy it. And that's what we're going to do today with the gift of love. We want to dive right in. So what do we do with this gift, the gift of love? Now, I'm going to guess, uh, you, you saw it there on the screen during that little intro video, but I'm going to guess that as I mentioned this verse, it'll be so familiar to you that the words would just come to mind. It's a reference uh, um, that, it, it, it's a verse that um, was at one point the most popular verse of the Bible, John three sixteen. Does anybody know what it says? Yes, hopefully most of you do. Uh, it goes something like this. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only or only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Familiar verse, right? I, I told you a few, I don't know if it was a month, two months ago, that now the most popular verse is judge not that ye be not judged. But that's another conversation. <laughs> this is a very well known. We teach it to our kids. It's a very f- famous verse. And it is at the center of this story. See, the problem is that we're so familiar with this verse that we sort of like, as soon as we're God's love the world, we just kind of know how it goes. Uh, but we look right past God's love that is, that is in the middle there. Because God's love is expressed in him sending his son. And that, that gift changes everything. See, this message that God loves us in this verse is the core of everything that we believe. So it makes sense that we unwrap the gift of love today and that we should start at the core of the verse. God loved the world. God loved the world. So he gave us his son. God loved us. So he gave us his son. And when we accept that gift and we believe in Jesus, we are giving Jesus life, salvation, and eternal life. So the first thing we have to do with the gift of God's love as we unwrap it is very basic but easy to overlook. We must accept the gift. This is basic but not easy. For some of us, the step of accepting the gift of God's love and believing in Jesus may be very difficult. There may be some of you, even here today, who have struggled with this idea of believing in Jesus. Might be even a brand new idea for some of you. Or it might be a gift that you've neglected for a while. Maybe you just don't feel lovable. Perhaps you've been burned by human love or hurt by those who said they love you. Maybe you've been hurt so bad that it's hard for you to trust that a God could love you. I know that there might be times when you think to yourself, I hear it, I know it, but it's hard to believe it because of the things that I've done. If you knew the dark secrets, the doubts and fears that I carry inside, I don't know that God would love me. And... I don't know what's in your heart, just like you don't know what's in mine. But God does. God knows you. He knows all of us deeply and intimately. But he still offers his love. See, his love is his way of saying, I know, I understand. Let me give you my son. As a gift, no matter what challenges or hurts that you and I are holding, God's love can handle them. God's love can heal them. And wherever we are on this journey of faith, whether we feel close to God or distant from God, God knows and he understands. And his response to us is always open arms and love. I have three kids in my household, and uh, whenever they... As, uh, as, as Devin was saying, whenever they, they disobey, they each have different responses. I have one who will immediately come and confess. 
just, you know, without any prodding, they're just, I have to tell you something. And they, you know, they just throw themselves at the mercy of, of, of the court. And, I, you know, it's, it's cute. And then I'm like, it's so cute. I don't know what to do. You know, like, it's so cute. I don't know if I should punish them or hug them. I don't know. But I, I, my intention is, thank you for telling me. I have another one who likes to hide. Another one who says, I don't know. Uh, that's probably you in your house. We're like, I don't know what happened. You know, you got icing over your face. I don't know who ate it. I have one of those. Uh, and, and when confronted and when, when eventually, you know, we get to the, uh, initially they, they, they didn't know what um, don't lie means. They would, I would say, tell the truth. And they're like, I am. And I said, no, tell me what really happened. Oh, what really happened? They said, oh, okay. <laughs> But when eventually the truth comes out, when they tell me what really happened, suddenly they feel afraid. They don't know what dad's going to do. And I have this sense in my heart that I need to embrace them as I am correcting them. Right? I need to make them feel that what I'm doing, what I'm saying, though it might be a correction, is an expression of my love. So I always hug my kids after the timeouts and the punishments, and I try anyway. And to say, because see, as a father, it's, it's in my heart. Like nothing that I do for them is out of spite. It's, it's because I love them. And that's what God is saying here when he sends us his son. He wants always to embrace us, no matter what we've done, where we've been. He might need to correct and train and discipline, but it is his love that motivates that. So wherever we are in your journey, whether you feel like you have grieved the heart of God, whether you feel like you have disobeyed God or, or distant, I encourage you today to unwrap this gift by first just accepting it. Accept the gift of God's love. Accept that in his son, Jesus Christ, you have an opportunity to be saved, to be delivered, to be freed, to be released from guilt, from shame, from hurts. You have an opportunity to be healed. During this season, you might be like me, trying your very best to stay on track with all the dates and all the concerts and all the pageants and all the things that we have to get accomplished. And during this very busy season, it's easy to be distracted by all these things. It's also easy, as I do every day, to read the headlines and just feel like the world is just a mess. And to wonder if uh, love could really make a difference and overcome the darkness and the hatred that it's in our world. It's easy to allow our worries over what's going to happen tomorrow or next month or next year to overwhelm us from receiving this gift of love and from feeling loved. And all those things matter. God is not asking us to ignore the world around us or to unplug from the world necessarily. We live in it. All those things matter, but, but you don't have to purge yourself from those things, from worry or hurry in order to experience God's love. See, God invites us to bring everything that we're living in, everything that we're dealing with, everything that we're struggling and wrestling with, and to surrender it to him, Give him giving him our deepest hurts and our concerns and allowing him to fill us with his encouragement and to renew us with his love. The good news is that the love that he gives us through his son is enough for everything that we're going through. The Bible tells us 
The Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Romans, in another very familiar verse, chapter 8, that there is nothing in this world. In fact, these are his words. He says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Friends, the love of God in Christ Jesus is enough to overcome any obstacle you're facing. It is enough to bridge any gap that you're living in. It is enough to overwhelm any hurt, any disease that you're suffering from. The love of God cannot be stopped. It cannot be shortchanged. Nothing past nor present. That's how much God loves us. That's the gift, and we have to receive it. We have to accept it. But we also must experience it. Going back to our example, I do know that there are certain kinds of kids who when they receive gifts, they unwrap them, but they don't like to open the box. These kinds of kids are called collectors. I don't know if you have one in your family. But they unwrap the gift, and while the sibling wants to play, they say, no, 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 don't touch it. They just leave it in a box and put it on a shelf. They want to look at it, admire it from a distance, but they don't want to experience it. Well, God's love is not meant to be put on a shelf, in a box, saved for later. No, this gift is meant to be experienced. We are meant to unwrap it and dive right in. We're meant to live with it, be with it, carry it around like a stuffed animal that you were given when you were a kid and you just put it on your arm and you tucked it in and took it everywhere. What was his name? Come on, fess up. You had that little blanket. You had the little bear. Did you have one? Uh, if you didn't have one, I'm sorry. My kids do. My daughter has this thing. It's a blankie. It literally, that's its name. <laughs> it's blankie. She's pink, just a piece of cloth, but she will drag that thing around everywhere. And at night, she screams when she's, where's Blanky? And I have to go hunting around the house. She loves that thing. She puts it next to her face and does this. She loves that thing. It brings her comfort. That's the way God intended for us to experience his love, to carry it with us, to live with it. To drag it around when necessary, but to always and in all ways experience it. God's love is meant to be part of our life, to be infused into our very being so that it's like lifeblood cursing through us, continually filling us with love, with grace. So let this season be a season where we embrace God's love fully. Not just say that we receive it, but to, that we experience it, allowing God to come into our hearts, our minds, and our feelings and emotions and, and, and change us in deep and personal ways. Opening our hands, our minds, and our hearts and our lives to who he is. That's the way the gift is meant to be experienced, to be received but then internalized. Because when you internalize love, it changes you. When it gets inside of you, it changes you. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in love? I mean, in love. Y'all know the difference, right? Do you love me or are you in love with me? Big difference, especially if you're a rom-com fan. 
Are you in? Have you ever been in love? That's a very big difference. But when someone is in love, stuff starts to happen. There's a good chance that a person that's in love will do something outrageous as an expression of that love, usually something crazy or allowed to proclaim this love to the world. If you've ever been in love, you may have done something that you don't regret, but you're not necessarily... Uh, excited about telling a story. <laughs> Maybe you've written a poem and you don't know anything about poetry. Maybe you've tried to sing a song, though no one would uh, ask you to sing another. Maybe you have um, paid lots of money to express your love across the skies. Or if you're an American, you probably have proposed on a jumbotron. That's what Americans do, right? Fill stadiums and say, will you marry me? Or on a pizza box or some silly and outlandish way of expressing. If you've ever been in love, you tell the world. You certainly would post it on Facebook or update your Twitter feed and say, guess what? Status change, right? Is that a thing now still? Status change? From single to it's complicated to in love. It's what we humans do. We express love. We propose. Uh, we have thousands and thousands of books of poetry and novels and plays and love songs about love. Because when we're in love, it shows. We just can't help it. It just comes out of us. Now, what did you do? I'm not going to tell you what I did, but pretty crazy, but I'm not going to tell you. But what did you do when I fell in love with my wife? Well, all reason went out the window, right? You with me? You with me? No, you're not. Okay. You did all dignified things, I'm sure. But when you're in love, it's like it, it transforms you. It pushes you. And you can't help it but talk about it and express it. And that's what God wants us to do with his love. He wants us to accept it and internalize it so that we can get inside of us and we can begin to be in love with God. Because when we're in love with him, then it'll just start coming out. It's meant for sharing. God's love is meant to be accepted, experienced, and then shared. And the beautiful thing about sharing God's love is that when you share God's love, it doesn't leave you with less love. It actually leaves you with more love. When we accept God's love and experience it, the next natural step is to share it, to let it out. Not an easy concept, right? We, we're not the sharing type. But it is crucial to our experience of it. It must enter, but then also go out. If you have kids like I do, and I know I talk about them a lot, well, what are you going to do? It's what my life is centered around right now. You know, if you have kids, that it's difficult to teach the concept of sharing, right? First words the kids learn to say is, no and mine, right? Mine, no. Um, I don't know which order. And then in school, they teach them. They say, sharing is caring. And they learn, but they learn to use it for their own benefit. When someone else has a gift, they go, hey, sharing is caring. But when it's their gift, they're, no, and mine. Uh, it's a difficult concept because we're, we're trained almost by our own instinct to be self-driven for me, to gather, to look out for myself. But the Word of God has always challenged us. That it is more blessed to give, right, than to receive and keep to ourselves. It is the example of the expression of the season that God loved us so much, 
He didn't want to keep this love to himself. He loved us so much he sent his son to be with us, to share that love, and he's tasked us with doing the same. It is difficult, but crucial. And the verse for today that is included in your bulletins, the book of First John, First, First John chapter four, verse nine says, "This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him." So this is love, not that we loved Him, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. And then this phrase right here, and so, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God's love comes to us and flows through us. The more we embrace it and experience it, the more it comes out as we share with others. And what would that look like for you this season? I'm not sure. Maybe it might mean serving somebody around you, a neighbor or friend. It might be seeking out someone who's lonely or hurting and helping. It might be, listen carefully, showing love, sharing love this season might be forgiving a family member that you're going to be sitting at the dinner table with in a few weeks. There are endless ways that we can express and share God's love. But we must make a choice not to keep it for ourselves. I want you to think of a way right now that you could share God's love this week. Just think. It could be something simple, like letting someone else go in front of you in the line. Or when there's just that one toy left that everybody wants, let somebody else have it. Oh, or maybe you don't hog up all the Christmas cookies at the office party. Maybe you save some for somebody else. Or maybe when someone cuts you off, you don't give them the death stare. I don't know. There's so many different ways. Some are simple, but some, some will require a real moment of introspection where you'll have to consider if God loved me, knowing everything about me, what can I do to share that with this particular person in this particular moment? Let's keep our eyes open to the world around us. The more I think about it, the more I'm amazed that God would love me, that God would love you. The more I think about it, the more I think about the, the, the birth of the Son, Jesus Christ, I'm just amazed that a God would go to such great lengths just to express his love. Can you imagine a love like that? Can you imagine a love that would just give up on everything to be with you? I ran across a very fascinating story to me printed by the um, BBC this, this last January about a, uh, an Indian sketch artist. His name is uh, P.K. Mahanandia. This young man was a street artist, <clears throat> and in 1975, he met a young lady named Charlotte von Schwedwin. <laughs> yes, uh, she was a tourist traveling through India. Uh, in the 70s, she had uh, traveled with what's called the Hippie Trail and drove in by car and taken 22 days to get to India, and she loved the India people and the Indian culture, and she came across this street artist who said he could draw you in 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, can I have the first picture, please? 
This particular street artist had been featured in a local newspaper. Uh, there he is as a young man there. Uh, and, uh, you know, street artist, sketch artist, this is how he, 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 he made a little bit of money to help his family. Well, this young lady, uh, the story says, uh, she saw and said, well, let me give it a shot. And she paid the money, had the picture drawn. But after he, he gave it to her, she was like, mm, I'm not impressed. So the very next day she came back and she said, you didn't do a very good job. Please try again. She paid him another little bit of money, and then he tried again. And the second time, she's like, it's still no good. And so in his defense, that man right there, and by the way, this is them. In his defense, he said, I'm just preoccupied. He said, a long time ago, my mother said that one day I would meet a stranger from a distant land who would... Uh, he said, well, who would own uh, a jungle, and uh, we would be married. So I've just beyond pre preoccupied, he said, every time I see you, I just have to ask you one question. Do you own a jungle? <laughs> she was taken aback by the question. It turns out that uh, um, she was actually uh, a descendant of royalty in her native land, and she said, well, our family actually does own a forest, so I don't know if that qualifies and he says it must be you so he invites her to his village to meet his, his, his parents and after a few days traveling into the Indian village uh, they fell in love he says during our first meeting we were drawn to each other like magnets it was love at first sight so they fell in love and after a few days <clears throat> uh, they returned to Delhi after spending a few days in his native village but when they went to his village he asked his father and everyone for permission to marry her now as you can tell this is the 70s but in his particular part of India he belongs to a certain tribe that is uh, considered a, a, a lower in the in the uh, status of things but here's this woman, a foreigner, red hair, you can't really see it there, who falls in love with him, and they have this village wedding. So far, so good, except that she was due to return back to Sweden, where she was from. So when they returned to Delhi, she said goodbye to him to start her return, but she made him promise that he would follow her back to Sweden. So she leaves. And he stays behind. The story is, more than a year passed, they kept in touch through letters, but he never had enough money to buy a plane ticket, just a sketch artist. So one day, overwhelmed and overcome by this love he felt for her, he sold everything he owned, he bought a bicycle, and then began to ride his bike back across from India through Europe. He started his journey on the 22nd of January, 1977, and he would bicycle 44 miles every day. With no money and no food, wherever he could, he would draw sketches of people in exchange for food or shelter. And he finally reached Europe on the 28th of May via East Istanbul, Vienna, and then at some places when he scraped enough money by train. After many different countries, cultural shocks, and finally meeting Miss von Schwedvin's parents, the two officially finally got married in Sweden. These are his words. I am still in love, just as I was in 1975. Can I have the next one? Can you believe that? Can you imagine a love that would sell everything and get on a bike and travel across continents to be with someone that they loved? It's fascinating, right? Would you do that?
I love the story because it's, when he expresses, he says, I was in love. I didn't even think about it. I hate bicycling, but I was in love. <laughs> but you see, the love story of God is so, so, so much deeper than just this. God didn't just travel across continents. He traveled across galaxies and universes from the heavenly realm to that tiny stable because he was in love with you and he wanted you to know it. And he wasn't just born in that stable. He walked around us, lived among us, and eventually was nailed to that cross for us because he would do whatever it takes. He's in love with you and he wants you to know it. And his invitation is for whoever would believe in this story, for whoever would believe in this gift, for whoever would believe in this sacrifice, that they too would share in this love. God's, God's promise is simple. Jesus said, if I go, I will return. And if I go, I will return and prepare a place for you and take you to be with me so that where I am, you may also be. This Advent season, this Christmas season, it's not just about gifts and carols. It's about love, not an emotion, not a feeling, but it's about eternal love, the love that God has for you. And God's invitation for us is for whosoever, for whoever would believe. The Bible tells us that whenever any one of God's creatures in creation accept this gift, there's a great celebration in heaven. That the angels rejoice and they shout joy. Hallelujah. One more has found the gift of love. Friends, this is our invitation as a church community, that we might rejoice in the fact that God loved us so, and that we would open up this gift of love. Don't leave it on the shelf. Don't leave it parked here on a Saturday afternoon. Take it with you. Embrace it. Unwrap it. Hug it. Let it move you, transform you, and then share it. That's what we do this Christmas season. In anticipation for his second return, we shout and we proclaim joy to the world. The Lord has come. Messiah has been given to us. That's why we celebrate. That's why we sing. That's why our carols matter. So would you please stand and sing with us our closing song, Joy to the World. The Lord has come.